Welcome to Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Relationships are probably where we spend the most time and the most energy in our lives. They can be the sources of our greatest joy, but they can also cause us the deepest pain and frustration. This podcast is about helping you connect a little bit better every day in your relationships. Welcome to this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. I'm so excited for my guest today. My guest is Jennifer Reed. Jen is a Nashville-based life and style blogger, married for 21 years to her college sweetheart and a mother of four. She brings a fresh perspective to the world of Instagram and blogging. Always the go-to friend for everyone around her for advice on home, style, and family, Jennifer decided to start her blog, A Woman Like You, so she could share the same advice with women everywhere on a public platform. Welcome, Jen. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I've followed you for a long time. I was trying to kind of remember like when, and I really don't. It just seems like I've always followed you. And one of the reasons... When I started this podcast, I said from the very beginning, I wanted to have, and I'm doing air quotes, experts, like who do research in marriage and family and clinical practice like myself. But I also wanted to have the real life experts, the people that are out there doing it well. And I know social media is not real life, but it looks like to me that you have connecting with others, with your husband, with your family, with your kids, with your friends as an authentic priority in your life. And you do it so beautifully. And that's really why I wanted to talk to you. It's true. It's definitely the priority in my life to do that and to be connected uh, with my kids, especially as they have grown and obviously being married this long. It doesn't just come easy. You have to work at it and you have to work at being connected in all your relationships, but especially I think with your kids as they get older and with your spouse, the longer. You know, as you said that, I was sitting here thinking, is there something that taught you that along the way or was it modeled for you? Or do you just think that's how you're wired? Wow. My husband is a great communicator. He is probably a little bit of a unicorn in terms of that. as, As far as a husband goes, he really is great at communicating and at forcing those hard conversations, whether it's with the kids or whether it's with me. So I think that he has been a good leader for me to watch that happen with. And I think really you only have to do it a few times and see how well it works for you then to continue going on and doing it again. Um, I for sure have a close relationship with my parents, but in my teen years, you know, it for sure was me. I was a hard teen and I definitely went through that stage of not being probably connected with my parents and and not having that relationship until I went away and went to college and then had my own family. And so for me, I think watching my kids grow up, I probably had a little bit of a fear in me of what can I do to make sure that my kids aren't doing this when they're teens? Like how can I kind of change that narrative with me really having boys? Yeah. So I know about your family because I watch them every day or I watch you, but for our listeners who might not know 
who your family is or what the makeup is. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. So uh, married to my husband, John, for 21 years. We met while at university in Canada. And then we got married after college and had our first child and then moved to Nashville when he was six weeks old. And then we had our next three. We had two more boys and then another girl in Nashville. So that was 21 years ago because Justin is now a sophomore at college and Mm -hmm. Tyler is a freshman at college. And then Dylan is in the ninth grade. He's 15. And Ava, the girl, is 12 and she's in the sixth grade. Okay. Wow. Four is a lot. And your husband travels a lot for his work. So a lot of times you're doing this on your own. Yes. You know, when we first moved to America, I said it was easy, not easy, but it was easy for to make the decision because legally I could not work. I did not yeah. have a visa. So it just, the decision was made for me. And then we had our second son very quickly after they're only a year apart. And he kind of, you know, his career started taking off. He started traveling and we made the decision that I would be a stay at home mom, uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, he was gone so much and it was important for us because he was gone so much for one of us to be home and be that constant. And then number two, just to have the freedom to go with him and travel with him when we wanted to. So I don't love the term stay at home mom, but I don't love the term like family manager. I know I think along the way we've tried to make it sound cooler or more important, but I don't know. I don't know if I've, I don't think I've yet to come up with a phrase that I love that describes staying at home with your kids. But you do everything. I mean, I've been doing this job off and on for 30 years, but there were many, many years that I didn't see clients and I didn't teach at the university that I was home changing diapers and doing all of it. I, you know, I just have gone in and out over the years. And I think as women, we just do what we need to do and what we want to do and do it well. And so, yeah, I, I don't like all the labels and talks about roles for women either, but I want to dive into something you touched on your son's having a first year and a second year college student, because this was one of the things in the last year that I saw you write about. And it was so poignant and so touching. And I think it really resonated with a lot of moms. So can you talk about your oldest son's leaving for college and the transition for you personally as a mom at being home with them all those years and being so central in their lives and what that's looked like for your family? Sure. Well, so we actually, because of COVID and all how that was working out with the schools, they should have just gone a year apart. But because of COVID and the dorms being shut down, they actually ended up leaving within the same year, within six months of each other. So it was like a double whammy for me right at the beginning. You know, I did speak about it a lot on social media, just a little bit at first, because I just never heard it talked about. I didn't hear all these people I was listening to or or watching on social media you know, we're just talking about their kids leaving for college. And then that was it. And it just was like, not a big thing in terms of what they were portraying it to be. Like in their last year, their senior year of college, I was just really internally sad. And I felt it so heavily weighing on me all of the time. And just started thinking like, what, why can't I get it together? Like, what is wrong with me? This should be a happy time. I should be proud of them nobody is dying, nobody is sick, like, why do I feel so sad? And it it just felt like this grip around my neck all the time. And I was constantly measuring 
well, I guess this will be the last time I get to do this. This will be their last game. This will be the last time I make their lunch, their last everything. And it was really starting to become emotionally almost crippling for me. And my second son who plays football, we were so involved with football. And on his last game, I spoke about that and I was we're just kind of making the, the comparison of you spend all these years almost not dreading, but you're, oh, I got to wash these stinky clothes again and more mm-hmm. laundry and all of this stuff. And the last time that I knew for sure that I was washing his football stuff, I mean, I just literally had a breakdown in my laundry room. And it was just, it felt like all those years just came crashing down in that moment. And so once I started talking about it on Instagram, I realized how many more moms were feeling the exact same way. And so many people were reaching out to me saying, I feel the exact same way. And I didn't know how to put it into words or I felt silly talking about it to my friends because nobody else, everyone else seemed to be celebrating this. And I think it was important to get the message out that it was okay to feel sad and happy about it, you know, and they left within the same year of each other. And it was really, really hard. I spent a lot of days feeling sorry for myself and happy for them at the same time. And I would just find myself in the most random situations, just feeling so emotional, walking into their room, not wanting to walk into their room, being at the grocery store and going to pick out something that only one of them ate and then stopping myself thinking, well, nobody eats that, setting the table, making a dinner reservation, all those kinds of little things, your dynamic changes, definitely an adjustment. And I'm still very happy for them. I'm still a little bit sad for me because I still realize it's you know, it's the end of what it was and it, it's on to the next chapter, but it's, there's something about when they're not all under your roof and you know where they are all the time and you have that, it is probably a bit of a control thing. Just letting go is hard. But I also think, Jen, it's grieving that role that you've had in their life because it's been such a big one and you are so connected with your kids, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. So you're grieving not just the role, but also, like you said, a family's a dynamic system. And so I saw my oldest is 24. And so I saw when he left, how everything shifted the conversation. He takes up, he's noisy. He talks a lot. So the whole conversation shifted at the dinner table. And then when the middle one left, and now it's just my ninth grader, I have a 15 year old also daughter who's home. And, you know, she's like, it's a lot of pressure on me. I'm the only one at the dinner table now. You're like, so there. And so the you grieve that whole family because that changes. And then I think Two, like the individual things, my oldest son, he's the one, Jen, that he would come home from school every day, from high school, from water polo practice or swim practice and come in and say, how was your day, mom? Every day. And I remember my husband walked in from work one day. It was like November of his freshman year. I was sitting at the dining room table crying and he's like, what's wrong? And I said, nobody asks me how my day was anymore. Like Will was that person for me. He was the one that checked in every day and I'm counseling clients all day. They're not asking me how my day is, right? And so I always appreciated that, but I didn't really know how much it was integral in our family until it was gone. And I think my husband, 
I never know. They never told me, but I secretly think my husband called Will and said, could you call your mom and ask her how her day is? Because he started doing that. He started, and I don't know if it was like he finally like got used to college life and had more time to call me, like, or if it was just the timing, but I have a sneaky suspicion my husband told me to. But I think you're right. We don't talk about the grief and the only way to get through those life transitions is to talk about it because a lot of women will come into my office really with clinical depression mm-hmm. after their kids start leaving the nest. And I think part of it is because they're not processing that grief like you did. Yeah. And I don't know. I think I'm still processing it a little bit when they, and I think what you were saying about when they leave, it's right in your face, what the role in your family they played was. And you maybe knew it a little bit, but it becomes so crystal clear when they aren't there anymore. And for me, for us, my oldest is the more quiet, more reserved one, but he's definitely my helper. He is my checking in. He's my, can I do something for you? I can ask him to do anything and and he will do it. He is the peacekeeper in our family. And he was always the peacekeeper within all the kids. When they would argue, he would be the one that would step out of his room and kind of push that aside. My second one is like yours that you were saying, and he is the one that kind of makes us roll laughing and he always needs something. He's always been my one that kind of like makes me pull my hair out at times, but he is also the one that just brings life into the house with humor and conversation and You know, so those two things gone, and that's the thing you do, you put that pressure on your other kids. You're like, wait, now which one of you is going to start helping out? Which one of you is going to make me laugh? Like, doesn't anyone want to talk to me? Yeah. You know, so you do do have to be careful not to put that pressure on your kids. But, and also too, the one thing I don't think we talk about as much as well as is the effect it has on the kids who get left behind. And I, Ava, who's my daughter, when Justin left, our oldest, he really, like I said, the peacekeeper, the helper, he's the one that never lost his patience with her. He would do anything for her at any time. And when he left, it was, I mean, she, it was a three hour drive back and she cried almost the entire way back. She was just devastated. And then my second son who left Tyler my third son who still is at home, they're so alike because they both love football. They would always, I mean, they would argue like crazy and fight, but they also love to do physical things with each other and throw the ball and, and watch football games together. So I think for Dylan, having both his older brothers leave at the same time, you know, you also have to be mindful that it's not just you who's feeling it. Good point. That is such a good point. Yeah, my daughter doesn't cry, which is so weird. She's a 15-year-old girl, but she doesn't cry. I cry more than her. And she cried when we dropped our oldest son. He was in Ohio, so halfway across the country. It was a 20-hour drive home. She didn't cry the whole time. That's a lot of crying. (laughs) She didn't cry the whole time, but she cried before I did. And I looked back, and I'm like, Kate, are you crying? But yeah, isn't it nice? I just realized, I don't know why this just dawned on me, that we both have older brothers and then a much younger daughter. Like there's nine years between my oldest and same as us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a special relationship. My boys have only treated Kate with such kindness and respect. And I think part of it is 
the gender difference, but part of it is the age gap. They are so, they've never been mean to her or rough with her. They're always super supportive. And so that you're right. That was a big loss for her too, when they were gone. Well, now that you have two kids who are launching in college, what do you know now that you wish you knew years ago or anything you'd do differently? I mean, I think I would do a lot of things differently if I'm being honest. And I think if we're all honest, you know, we so nice. If we could take, if I could just take everything I've just learned in real life over 20 years and then go back and do it again, I probably would do a lot differently. And it would probably have to do all with me and how I reacted to things. Or I think we have that mom guilt of, which hadn't lost my temper. Or I wish I wouldn't have rushed them to do all those things. And I think. For me, everybody says it goes so fast and it seems like it's turned into such a cliche and it does go fast. And I think we all realize that, but I wish I could have known back then how much I would physically miss them. And I don't think it's hard to put that into words when you physically miss somebody, when you truly feel this ache inside that their presence is no longer there. And you know, again, it's the things that bring back those memories. It's the pumpkin patch. It's the Santa visits, the little birthday parties. It's the toy aisle at Target. I can't tell you how many times I will avoid going through the toy aisle after they had gone to college, passing by because I would pass by it and I could just see them. I could vision them in the toy aisle, just playing and looking at everything. And I just think if I had realized how much I would miss that, I would have just spent a little bit of a little bit longer in that moment. I wouldn't have been as rushed to get on to the next thing we were doing or to be so scheduled or get home for the nap just to, and we did do all those things. It's not like we didn't do them and didn't enjoy them. We did. I just think I started to take it for granted because we did so many pumpkin patches and so many trips to Target that you just are like, you just take it for granted. And sometimes I'll see moms in the toy aisle and their kids. And I just, I'm like, Oh, I just want to be you, you know? So I just, you know, and it's not anything major. I just, I, I wish I could have sat in the moment a bit longer. Yeah. And the only reason I ask that question sometimes of people is that I don't feel like as moms, we should go back and like analyze and regret anything. But I do think, I know there are a lot of moms that are in that phase of life and they dread going to the toy aisle because they might have to say oh, no yeah. or they, and so, yeah, perspective makes us really appreciate. I think, you know, you touched on this with cleaning the football uniforms, mm-hmm. but realize that you never know when a phase is going to end. You know, you see, I never know when it's going to be the last time I feed my child or they crawl into my lap. You know, you don't think when are they going to be too big to crawl in my lap until they are too big, you know, till it's passed. And so I think to just really, what I hear you saying is like really be in the moment. And it's hard to do that when there's all the chaos of young childhood. I'm going to age myself, but I think the first time I had a cell phone, I mean, I shouldn't even say a cell phone, social media was probably, gosh, when did Facebook start? Probably when maybe Dylan was born after. So I had a good 
four or five years with my oldest where there was no social media. So I didn't have anything taking my attention away. And I would, I don't know, I've thought about this at times. If I was a new mom right now, how you would balance not taking attention away from your kids because it seems like everyone just has their phones in their faces all of the time right now, myself included. Um, it would definitely be a challenge. I think that's true. I talk about that. I've done some podcasts on technology and I just gave a talk to a mom's group here in Houston. And And there's even research that the way we connect with our children is they we go on a walk and they pick up a leaf and they just show it to us and they're looking for our facial expression. They're called serve and return moments. Mm. And it's how children's brain develop. And I... Don't know of any studies done on this yet, but I have no doubt. Well, I do know a little bit. They're starting to see that kids are having more speech difficulties, and they think it's because of phones. There's some theories out there that it's masks, but it's still a little too early to tell that. But if we, if there is a screen between us and our connecting with our kids, obviously we're not going to connect with them as well. And that's not how human brains are designed. And I'm like you, and I, I'm. I'm guessing, but I think I'm definitely older than you. So I'm dating myself too. But yeah, I, I can't imagine that. And I even think I'm going to shift gears here a little bit. And I, I have other questions I want to ask you, but you brought up social media. So I want to talk about um, comparison. One of the mm-hmm. things that women talk to me a lot about is comparison as it relates to parenting and family life. And when you talk about social media, Yes, I agree that it gets in the way of you connecting with your children, but I also think it gets in the way in your confidence as a mom and how you're doing in your family. Can you talk about comparison? How's that impacted you or what do you see among your peers? Well, I mean, I think for me, comparison started even before. I don't think I needed social media to be worried about what the person next to me was doing as a mother. I think you know, the, the phrase keeping up with the Joneses is not just about material things. I think it's very alive and well just in the world of parenting as well. And it, it can start from, you know, as early I remember with my first and having other friends who had babies the same age who were sleeping through the night at four weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh, my baby's up every two hours. How, why am I failing? What is she doing? that's making her such a great mother with this perfect baby that I'm not doing. And it then continues on to, you know, your friend whose child is walking before yours or speaking before yours. And listen, people love to share, to talk about, to post their child accomplishments because they're proud of it, which is great, but it can be really hard if your child is falling behind or not keeping up to, not put that blame on yourself and just think like, what is it that I'm doing wrong? And I, like we were just saying about if you were a new mom, I can't imagine if you were, you know, a mom with like breast milk on your shirt and you haven't even had a shower, your kids are, you know, your house is is torn up and you pick up your phone and you, the first thing you see on Instagram is this beautiful curated picture of this new mom and her kids and their matching outfits and their hair is all done. I mean, it would be, I don't know. I just think it would be really almost debilitating as a new mom to see that. And it's, it's not real life. And is someone's real life, then it has to be exhausting. It has to be exhausting because 
there's no way people can function like that all of the time unless they have a massive amount of help or you know they're just doing it periodically and so i think we just we do each other we do ourselves a disservice by not sharing the real stuff and i think probably that's one of the reasons i do like your story so much <laughs> yeah because well, it's important to find a group of mom friends no matter what stage of mom you're in whether it's newborn toddler middle school high schooler it is important to have real life friends not social media friends but real life friends that you can vent to that you feel like you can say anything to about what you feel like you're struggling with your child is struggling with and you're not going to be judged they're not going to try to one up you all the time if you can have those relationships in your life it's invaluable and it will make looking it will make looking at the perfect pictures on instagram that much easier you're right. The other day you were Oh no, what is it? What is it? No, it's not no, you were making meatballs. It was so cute. Oh, and I need that recipe. And then you're listening to music and your Ava yeah. is yelling down like, What are you listening to, mother? And I, I sat there, Jen, and I I mean I knew I was gonna talk to you this week, but I didn't think about it until right this second. In that moment, inside I was like, thank you for not deleting that. Because oh, some okay. people Rebecca, sometimes I do want it. I'm like, oh gosh, I should delete that. <laughs> oh no. Like that's what I want to say. Like I want to reiterate the point that you just made. You need real life friends who you can vet to and be real with. A hundred percent. But it is also very refreshing to see someone that you do look like you have it all together. And then you hear your, is she 12, right? She's 12. Yeah. Turn 12 with a yes. yeah. Her yelling out, mother, what are you listening to? Because yeah, that is real life. Is what she calls me when she's not happy. <laughs> so it was good. All right. How do you stay connected to each of your kids? Well, you know, again, speaking of the phone, it's the phones are lifesavers with my two in college facetime and texting is a lifeline to me for that so that is great for them now staying connected to the two that i have at home the phone is the challenge the phone is what gets in my way often of connecting with them so it's about trying to find ways to be engaged with them that don't involve a phone in their hand my experience with a girl has been they're much more apt to sit and talk to you, share with you how their day was, share with you information. Ava, for the most part, is always up to sharing and connecting with me at any time. She is likes to be attached to my hip. So if I suggest we do something, she is in. Boys are just different. They just are, they're just made up differently and my experience with boys has been after three of them you need to find something that they enjoy doing and do it with them and that's when the conversations will come if you expect you to walk into your son's room while he's in the middle of a video game or in the middle of something and say look we really need to talk you are going to get one word answers back mm -hmm, okay i don't know maybe you know, when they walk in the door, it's, how was your day? Great. Good. Anything happen? No. Okay. And let it go. And from my experience, they always end up coming back. It's usually involves food. <laughs> I just wrote down food. <laughs> For boys, it's 
food. Lures them into the kitchen, but dinner's not yet ready, but there's not a long enough time that they actually want to leave because they know it's coming. And so sometimes it's in those moments. And I, I have said this to my friends before who are raising boys that are younger than mine. All of a sudden, they'll just say something to you. And you're like, wait, what? We're talking about this right now? Okay, stop what you're doing. Don't say, give me a minute. Like, you just need to literally don't move. Don't make eye contact. Just just be there. And, and don't push. If you push a boy for more information, it is just shut down. And honestly, sometimes I act like I'm not that interested. And it almost makes them share makes them share more. But I've shared this story with a, a ton of my friends. And I just think it's, it, it is probably relatable. One of the most profound conversations I ever had with one of my sons, we were all in the basement and I had gone down and was got a ton of pool towels. And honestly, I was a little annoyed at the amount of wet pool towels I had found in the basement floor. Threw them all into this laundry basket. He came in from outside And we have a ping pong table. And he said, mom, do you want to play ping pong? And guiltily, I say to you that my internal first reaction was, of course, I don't want to play ping pong. Do you see all this laundry I have to do that all you and your friends created for me? But he was old enough that I was like, my time is fleeting. And I was like, okay, I will play ping pong. And I put the basket down. Listen, was it the first thing I wanted to do? I don't even like ping pong. No, it wasn't. But I had a son inviting me. It wasn't just to play ping pong. It was into a conversation that, as you just said, was connected. There was no phones. No one else was in the room. And back and forth, that ping pong ball went. And we really had, it was about school, had one of the most important conversations we've probably ever had. And by the end of that game, I don't even know who won, what the score was. I don't even think either of us were paying attention But his mind being focused on hitting that ping pong ball, I think just allowed him to speak to me with abandon that he hadn't, he wouldn't have had if we were sitting at a a dinner table or me sitting in his room, pressing him for answers. And so I just think you have to always be mindful of that, probably with all kids, but especially with boys. If you have an opportunity to throw a football or throw a baseball or sit and game with them, just don't miss the opportunity. That's so true. I did you see me tearing up as you're telling I've said I always I always tear up when my guests tell those stories. But you know, my first episode was on connecting with your teen. And I gave the advice that you've played out in life. Don't ask them a lot of questions or pressure to them. They're not gonna answer questions. Just be present to do activities, all those things that you just said. And I think moms in particular feel so much pressure that they force the connection and you have learned to let it unfold. And it's the same with my kids. Like I I learned the things they were interested in and met them where they were. And then they did just open up and connect, but it does take effort and it has to be intentional. I think we're foolish to believe that just because we're their mom and they're our child, that that relationship will just happen on its own. It's like a marriage. It doesn't just happen on its own. All the foundation is there. The ingredients are there, but you have to put it all together. And to expect your teenager 
to understand how to put their thoughts into this intelligent conversation doesn't make sense. So I think you have to be like, oh, okay, this is my moment. Here's my opening. I'm going to take it. I agree. I agree. Oh, I'm so glad you're talking to us today. I think that story, Jen, is really, really going to impact moms out there listening that have teens. I've told that story to a lot of my friends who have boys just a little bit younger who are struggling with their boys not being connected because it, you know, boys, I just, I love, I'm such a boy mom at heart. I always thought I wanted girls. I really did. I was like, you know, you plan out your family. I'm going to have one boy and three girls. Or you think, you think you get to plan that. And I just always thought I would have girls. And cause I just thought I was a girl's mom. And then I had three boys and it's just funny because I, I feel like I am at my core, a boy mom, but it's not easy. You need to work at it. And if you do, it's wonderful because it can be really hard when they're little. Everyone says, oh, boys love their moms. They do love their moms. But as they transition from the toddler age, right around that middle school age, when it's not so cool to love your mom publicly, at least, or be physically affectionate with your mom, it's a really weird dynamic. And you need to help them figure out what that new role is going to look like. Yeah, I agree. I was the same as you. I had all sisters. I had all girl cousins. I went to all girls high school. I really had not been around boys. And then God gave me two boys to start with. And I was like, what am I doing? But yeah, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I'm so close to my sons, so close. And, but I I had to work at it. I had to practice and I had to get into their world. So yeah, I love that you say that kind of talking about that. I also love when you go visit your sons at college um, and you story about that. It's so cute, but I noticed you do a really good job sharing about your family, like special meals, holiday traditions, sports, homecoming, but you don't compromise your kids' privacy too much. I just kind of was thinking about that this morning as I was thinking about our call. Like, I know just enough about your kids without knowing everything, right? And again, maybe that's a social media thing, but I also think it's a mom thing. I remember talking to one of my mom friends here, real life friend, and saying, I was going through something with my oldest son and she's like, what? And I said, well, out of respect for his privacy, I don't want to tell you the details. That's his story, but Mm -hmm. he's just having a hard time, you know? And so I think it's a real balance with social media today and in real life. How do you, is it intentional? Like, how do you balance that? How do you protect their privacy, even with your real life friends and on social media? I guess both. Well, social media, I... If ever I post anything with them in the, the, the camera, I always will take the video and I'll say, can I post this? I always have said that to them because I just, I mean, I'm sure there's been times where I have not, you know, they've been in the background or something, but if it's something just of them, I will always say, can I post this? Is it okay if I post this? Because I don't ever want them to pick up their phone and see something on my feed and be like, wait, Oh, I don't like how I look in that. Or cause I wouldn't want that. If somebody put something of me on social media and I didn't like how it portrayed me, I wouldn't want that. So I do feel like I try to do that. I certainly, especially because of their ages, wouldn't ever share anything, you know, personal, but any of them were going through in terms of what I share with my friends 
I mean, I think you pick and choose, you know, there are certain friends that you talk to about certain things, whether they're other boy moms, whether they're friends that can relate, whether they're the friends that, you know, no matter what, won't judge you, whether they're the friends that they're your go-to advice. So that's why you're asking for help. But, you know, I've always, I've said to all of my kids, literally from the day that they could talk, I have always said to them, my promise is if you tell me something and you say, I don't want you to repeat this. My promise to you is I will not repeat this even to your dad, unless I think I need to. And I've said that to my husband too. I've said, you need to say the same thing because there are certain things. Now, obviously if it was, you know, something serious or a life and death about them or somebody else, that's different. But if it's about, I don't know, just someone they have a crush on or something like this. I always want them, especially with Ava. I really just keep, she, something happened the other day and she said, Oh, well, didn't you tell them? And I said, well, no, because you told me not to tell anybody. And I swear, I looked at her face and in that moment, I knew I was doing the right thing. And she had this look of, Oh, yeah, I did tell you that probably because she likes to blab. So she can't relate at 12. She's like, wait, what? But I said, Ava, I will never share something if you ask me not to, because I just think, especially for a girl, it's so important that they, that she knows that I am her safe space. Yeah. That takes a lot of restraint. I really admire that. It's a lot of restraint because I like to talk and I have a lot of friends. And so I like to talk to my friends. So I, there have certainly been times, not because I want to say it as a gossip, but I just want to be like, oh my gosh, does anyone know? And I'm like, no, I can't do it. Well, I'm glad you brought up that you have a lot of friends because that was my next question. How have you balanced motherhood over the years with maintaining a long-term marriage. Well, I love when your husband is on because he is so darn funny. I mean, although he seems like a little kid too, like he's just so, he's always trying to like get your goat, but he's so funny. And then I never know what he's saying. So thank God you translated. The captions on for him. So, but also your friendships, like you, you have a very full, rich life. And how do you balance that all? And your own interests as well, because you do, I think you're really good at self-care too. You take time, you went away with your husband last week, but then you also did a girlfriend night for Galentine's. And then you're right there at all your kids' games and activities and the middle school lip sync. Like, how do you do all of it? Well, first of all, thank you. Second of all, there are a lot of days that that is not true. So I'll throw that out there. I also think that came later in the motherhood journey When they were little, I didn't feel like that at all. I didn't feel like I had the balancing thing figured out at all. The whole, you know, perfect balance of everything is to me, I think a bit of a, this elusive phrase that we chase almost. And we have set ourselves up to believe that if we put too much focus into one thing, then the other things will suffer. If I put too much focus into my kids, then my marriage will suffer. If I put too much focus into my career that I've worked so hard to build, my kids will suffer. If I go to all my kids' activities, I'll never be able to see my friends. So it's like putting a ton of effort into one thing. The other things will always suffer. It's just, it's just how it works. So I think 
you do. You have to find what works for you. When I have a girl's night out, that is maybe once every two months. It's not once a week. Vacations with my husband, I would certainly love more of them. So I don't know. And I think, again, with social media, there are so many times that people will say to me, oh, you have such a fun life. And it's always like, I'll read that message in the moment of really not feeling like my life is that fun. And I'm like, I really? Like, in this moment, I'm not feeling it because I'm either feeling like I haven't figured stuff out or I'm behind on something or I haven't figured out how to be at all my kids' things. And so I'm feeling this tremendous amount of guilt that I can't be in one place or the other. And so, I don't know, I just think you... For us, what has worked is checks and balances and having those conversations and checking in with your spouse and checking in with your kids. You know, my husband will say to our kids all the time, he's like, are you happy? Is everything good? And they laugh. They're like, yeah, what do you mean? He's like, no, like, are you good? Are you happy? Everything good? And I think sometimes you just assume you know the answer or we get just caught up in our own self and we just get caught up in our are we happy? And it's important to check in that your spouse is not feeling like all your attention is on your kids or your job or your friendships and vice versa. And are you happy? Are you getting what you need? Or are you spreading yourself so thin to make everybody else happy? And if you don't have those conversations, then you don't know. And it's not a bad thing. Even if they make you uncomfortable, it's still fine to Say to your husband, I don't know, once a month is, are you good? Is there anything you need from me? Is, you know, is is everything good with us in our world? Or are you feeling like I haven't paid enough attention to you or you need this from me? And those are hard conversations to have because honestly, sometimes you're just tired. But when you're a mom, it's like, it's very easy for your spouse to take a backseat to your kids. And letting your marriage kind of trail behind because you're being such an amazing mom. If your marriage is suffering because of that, then that's not good for your kids either. So I don't have the answer of how to make it all perfect. I just, I think it does ebb and flow throughout your life. And depending on what stage you're in with your kids, I will never forget, you know, our kids were eight and a half years apart and going down to the beach. That's our family thing to do. But it was not a vacation. It was a trip. I always said that a vacation is without kids. A trip is with your kids. And we had a great time, but it was exhausting. Chasing after the kids, making sure nobody drowned, making sure nobody got lost. And we were in the pool one day and there's, you know, a million kids. We're getting completely soaked. Our drinks are now mush warm from the sun. (laughs) We just looked over and there was this couple who was just maybe a bit older than us. And they were just sitting together on their beach lounge chairs at the pool, sipping on their cocktails, waving at their kids. And my husband looked at us, looked at me, and he was like, when is that us? I was like, I don't know. I feel we've got a while left because we were just exhausted. And Ava probably turned, I don't know, she could swim early. So she was probably four. And we were sitting on the beach chairs and she was, or our pool chairs, sorry. And she was on the edge of the pool and she would jump in and jump back out and just swimming around. They were all in the pool swimming. 
we were sitting on our beach or our pool chair, sorry, having our, you know, a margarita probably. And he just looked at me and I looked at him and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're them. We made it. We got days. I'm like, where are those people that those people in the pool are envious of right now? You know, so it's like at that point it shifted too because I was able to balance. We were able to balance more that time where we weren't split up with our kids all the time. So you will get there. But in the time when you are kind of in the trenches, you need to keep having the conversations and making sure you're both good. I think that's great advice. We had a similar experience. We were in Hilton Head and I remember like there was a newlywed couple who kept looking at us with our young kids and saying, oh, we can't wait to have that one day. And then there was an older couple who got to go out, you know, we would have to go out to dinner early because our kids were little (laughs) and they got to go out to dinner late, all staying at the same resort and kind of us all looking at each other with some envy of what stage we were in because the older couple was looking at us too, saying like how fun, but we were looking at them saying they don't have kids and they're carefree and their kids are older. So they can go out to dinner later or whatever. And, and I remember Jen, the same kind of thing. And what, that moment taught me was just, this is coming full circle of what we said in the beginning is you just have to be in the moment and appreciate the stage you're in, even if it's a hard stage, because there are gifts in it that you will miss. Yes, there, there really are. And I wrote a post, I think, I can't remember, it was last time we were at the beach and it was just a photo of my husband and I on our pool chairs. And, you know, I was saying like, we're those people now. But in saying that, we were us being those people, honestly, last trip was not fun because my kids were off on bikes, gone. So I don't mean like it was us and we were still lifeguarding our kids. I mean, we were alone at the pool with no responsibilities and our kids were off with their friends on their bikes. And I was watching these little bits toddling around in their soggy swim diapers. And I mean, I was, it made me so sad. And I just was like, if I, you know, didn't think this mom thought I was trying to steal her baby would be like, do you want to go take my chair for a bit? I'll I'll swim with your baby because, you know, you do. It's like, you just, I don't know. Yeah. I wish you could just like Benjamin button your life back almost. But we'll get to be grandparents someday. (laughs) I'm like, I promise if you live close to home. I will babysit your kids as much as you want. You and your wives or your husband can go out every single night on date night. Like I, I will just be at your beck and call to babysit. Well, I have like 10 more questions I could ask you. I have loved talking to you, but I know that we're running out of time. If I had to ask you real quickly, hardest stage of motherhood for you? Well, the hardest stage would for sure be the toddler years. Okay. Yeah. It's physically exhausting you're just spent. You feel like you're drowning. You feel unappreciated. You feel like, you know, you're doing all this thing, all these things for these little humans all day long. And, you know, they're just screaming or they're having these meltdowns and you trust me, you put them to bed at night and you're like, wow, I am not doing a great job. Yeah. You are doing a great job. And nobody ever tells you that. No, it's the same for me. How about the most rewarding? You know, it's funny. Last night when I was making my notes for today, just thinking about things I wanted to run down, and I thought about this this morning, and I was sitting at my kitchen table just jotting down some notes, thinking about what I was 
wanted to talk about on this podcast about parenting, right? So I'm, I'm making these notes of what do I want to say? What do I want to bring up? And Ava was sitting at the kitchen island and, you know, she does this, oh my gosh, this math that, I mean, is literally like out of space to me. I, I don't even understand this core math or whatever they do. And she was like, I just need help with my math. She was like, I think, she's like, I think we're just going to see if Tyler will help me. Well, Tyler is at college. I said, well, you can text him. So she texted him. She said, yeah, he said he's going to help me. Two seconds later, they were on FaceTime. She had her phone at her iPad and I'm watching them and they're laughing and he's explaining it to her and she's writing it all down. And I'm just in my mind thought, here I am writing down, you know, these kind of things that I consider great about parenting. Like that as a mom is a huge win for me to see that she can call her brother who is at college and he's an hour ahead. So it was like 10 o'clock at night, his time. He still picked up the phone. He still graciously helped her do her homework. Then they continued to have like another 15 minute conversation. He was making her laugh. She was showing him how she could do something, you know? And I just thought like that is to me the most rewarding. It's the little things. It's the moments that you can miss if you're not paying attention. Good job, mama, to raise siblings that want to do that. No, I do. I think that we create that kind of a culture in our family, and you've done a great job doing that. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I know our listeners are just going to gain so much wisdom and insight from you sharing your experiences. Where can they find you if they want to learn more about you or follow you on social media? So on Instagram, it's at a woman like you and there are dots. So it's a dot woman dot like dot you. And then the blog is just www.awomanlikeyou.ca. I'm on Facebook as Jennifer Reed, but Instagram is where I do all my stories and my posts. Yeah. And I'll put all those links in the show notes, but thank you so much. I have just loved talking to you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Hopefully you've heard something that will help you as you continue to navigate the connections in your everyday relationships. If you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, you can follow me at Dr. Kim Swales or check out my website, www.kimswales.com. I'd also love if you would click subscribe and leave a positive review or a five-star rating for the podcast, as well as share it with your friends and family. The material in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of medical or psychological counsel, please seek a licensed professional in your area.